Are you ready to say goodbye to 2020 for good? Then do it in style with your pals at Mystery Titans Theater and the live New Year's Eve Spectacular. Join your hosts, Travis Waloshin, Johnny Hedgepeth, and the returning Kelly Nelson as we sit back and watch the exploits of such timeless entertainers as Bruce Monroe, Swede Hansen, and Barry O. Celebrate the turning of the clock from coast to coast as the fellows are joined throughout the night by Mystery Titans Theater favorites James Hamilton, Max Mitchell, Robert Hawkins, Zubin Sundar, Mark Stanley, Sean Whitaker, and new friends Robert Charlton and Brad McNeil, and many more. The fun starts here at Mystery Titans Theater HQ, Jarvis Washing Machine on YouTube. 10 p.m. Eastern Time and 7 Pacific, and we won't say goodnight until the new year has reached Vancouver. It's gonna be a party, so subscribe on YouTube for more updates, and let us know if there's a card you'd like to see on the Mystery Titans Theater New Year's Eve Live Spectacular. And hey, we are back. This is Side B of Episode 70 of the Strong Style Story Podcast here on the PWO podcast network i am still your host selector jeffrey wessel you can still find me at strong style story without the e in style on twitter and the blog is still at strong style story at tumblr.com and my co-host is still chris damaseno so uh, nothing's changed since uh we recorded side a yeah so, not really we just hope our sponsors didn't do something too drastic this time around between the time the tapes were getting switched uh no i don't think they did it was just uh you know <laughs> you know just gotta you know we, we got you gotta pay the the the, the bills somehow so <laughs> all right then all right then that, 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 there are no bills to be show. <laughs> <laughs> oh jesus christ five years of this program, Chris. I'm still not sure how we pulled it off, but we did. I don't know. Well, I mean, and to be fair, you were gone for part of it. it, This is true. I was. You were gone for a little bit of it. Um, And for a while, we also had, like, two other people hosting with, you know, Steve Cash and Lawrence O'Brien. Yeah. Had joined us, too. Um, But, yeah, I mean... Here we are. It's it's five years. It's seventy official episodes. Although we, we determined really it's more than that, much more than that. Um, we did a spinoff called Strong Style History, where we talked about old New Japan stuff, and mm-hmm. uh, we, we kind of brought that back during the pandemic slightly when we were uh, reviewing some matches that were being shown on NJPW World. And, uh, yeah, we've had uh, numerous guests on this show, two of which turned out to be complete scumbags, unfortunately. Yeah, fortunately. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, at the same time, I don't want to erase that history either, because that, what does that no, do? No, it's part of it. It's part of it. It's something that we did at the time. It's something that we didn't know at the time, but then got to know, and we owned that. So, yeah. And, you know, we, we, we took some personal hits from that, too, you know, between the two of us. Um, you know, th- things are what they are. Um, and then, you know, it it led to, in, it 
led to you and I launching another show, which you are which you aren't part of anymore. For, for, Let's face for it, reasons. Paul is a bit Paul is a better co-host than I could ever be at this point. Like it's <laughs> it, it's already at this point like academic between the two of you, and I look forward to it just Paul, about every Wednesday after the show wraps up. I'm not gonna say a better co-host. He's a definitely a different co-host, but I think it was maybe the co-host that was needed for for boom goes the for boom goes the dynamite for, the, for that I type of show. Completely. Um, but I mean, the fact of the matter is, you were there to begin with, and you know, we because we started that on a whim too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we just kind of asked uh, Kelly Nelson, "Hey, is anybody doing any AEW content? You know, when when Dynamite launches?" Nope. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, well, guess <laughs> what? <laughs> and that's been uh, that's been interesting. Boy, uh, this week's is going to be uh, a bit of a task. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, what with uh, you know, what with uh, Brody Lee dying? But you know, it, it's uh, and you know, I, both of us have launched other podcasts outside of wrestling too. Because mm-hmm. you've got sounds on sounds on the sticks. Yeah, which I, I have to admit, I started. Yeah, I say which I have to admit I haven't been paying attention to. So how is that going? So far into it has been good. It's just mostly Jordan's schedule is very inconsistent since he does a lot of fr- uh, freelance, like self-employed work. So his schedule is pretty much everywhere. So it's a little bit hard to coordinate that sometimes. But we're hoping uh, probably sometime early in January to have another episode at this point. It's been the, just what was the last time you did place. one? Uh, about three months or so ago, we did it when Persona 4 Golden came out on Steam, and we talked about that soundtrack in particular. Okay, I think I so. missed that one, so, okay. The last one I remember was you were doing, I, I know you did Donkey Kong Country 2, and then... Yes, that was the you, second episode, and then Def Jam Vendetta was our third episode. Right, and then, so the fourth one was... Persona 4 Golden. Yeah, that one. Okay. Yep. Okay. So, yeah. So, I guess I really haven't missed any any since then. So Yeah. It's unf- unfortunately, between the pandemic and everything else, too, just, yeah, inconsistencies and like it. We haven't recorded as much as we would like for it. Yeah. But, you know, at the same time, you know, the pandemic also brought my, my other show to a halt for a little bit, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Busting Balls. Busting yeah, Balls. Just- which I don't think I would have ever launched that show had we not had the experience of doing this one. Yeah. Or any of the other ones, for that matter. Mm-hmm. I do agree. Having Strong Style Story as the basis for what we do kind of have has helped us considerably in terms of just going for some of these solo projects on our spare time, basically. Yeah. And we know that the early episodes sound like shit anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, definitely. 100%. Every every podcast sounds like shit in the beginning. Even even boom goes the dynamite. I mean, we didn't know mm-hmm. what we were. We were kind of rambling on that show because we didn't know what we were. Yeah, because we because we, we never did yeah. a show like that before. Yeah, you know? So just finding one of the finding the speeds in general, just yeah. Uh so yeah, as we said at the top of side B, this was a project that Chris and I did on a whim five years ago. To talk Wrestle Kingdom ten. Yeah, um, we we blame e-fetting and DMs uh, for causing this <laughs> to happen. And if you don't know what 
the first of those two things are, trust me, you live a very blessed and <laughs> unproblematic life, most likely, oh, and you boy. should not head down that path. Um, I, I usually we tend to talk about the New Japan year, um, in relation when we do these shows. I think we kind of have touched on that. I mean, basically, it's the the, the pandemic blew up a lot of things. And, you know, a lot of panic booking and, 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 you know, last second changes were the story of it. This wasn't the greatest year of New Japan Pro Wrestling, and I'm not going to pretend it was. I think they did the best they could, yeah. given the circumstances. And, you know, and still they did something like Jingu Stadium, too, you know? Mm-hmm. Which, you know, that was, you know, nice and out, you know, outside the box. I mean, literally outside of, well, it was outside, you know, so. And I hope they should do that again, you know. But I, I think we can definitely say that, just, you know, despite everything, it, if you look at the last five years that we've done this show, just how much of a different world New Japan Pro Wrestling is at this point? Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, when we were doing that, there was only one story, really, and it was Okada versus Tanahashi, you know? And and sure, there were other stories going on, but that was, like, the only one that was, like, you know, that was, like, the story, you know, in the the company. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then... And nowadays, I mean, no, there, there's like a lot of different things. Like it, it, it's gone. Like now, evil's part of the, the 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 splash screen on NGPW World. If you at least if you have it on the uh, on the Fire Stick, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, it's been a thing. And then they just announced today too for December T-shirt sales that the Darkness Club shirt has been their top seller as far as this month goes. So oh it's no just, shit, it's showing yet again that. In the main market that they're appealing to, hey, people still want to support evil, even with the Bullet Club antics and everything else going on. So yeah, but I mean, even then, let's—I mean, the, the the Bullet Club is worlds different from how it was. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. It's about as big as it was when it got to a certain point uh, in the dark ages that we don't want to talk about anymore on this show, the where a split could happen in 2021, if that's the route that they decided to take. But there's questions there that hopefully we'll get some, not necessarily like get immediate answers to, but we'll at least get an inkling of what could be coming in their immediate future after January 6th is done and over with after yeah. New Year Dash. So, yeah, I mean, five years for, for it'd be again, it, uh, we, we were talking about this before is that the Empire as a unit sucks because it's Will Ospreay and it has an awful name. Uh, but at least there was, goddamn, there was like a new unit was formed finally. Yeah, finally. In, in the time that we, I mean, it, there really have been no new units formed since we started this show. <laughs> you know? and, I mean, kind of crazy when you think about it. Los Ingobernables is over five years old. I mean, it, it's six years old if you want to count, you know, the, the pre-Naido 
times with where it's just, you know, La Sombra, La Mascara, and Rush. Yeah, and then Marco Corleone mm. being at it first before Naito came in as their fifth. So yeah, I mean, not to consider. Right, but I mean, the fact is that like, uh, none of those four are even working for CMLL anymore. Mm-hmm. For, for different reasons. Two of them got fired. One went to WWE and uh, one hit the, the telenovela jackpot. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, good for Marco Corleone in that case. Make your money out of them telenovelas, man. Yeah, like, good, good, good for Mark Gingerak, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. But, um, yeah, I mean, at this point, I mean, this, this is something, you, God, I'm kind of rambling now, but I mean, it just seems like the whole unit thing, they really should have been blowing these up a long time ago. And it's mm-hmm. funny that, you know, now I'm getting back into Dragon Gate a little bit. Uh, and, and thanks for helping for, for, to facilitate that, brother. Uh, Trying my best. <laughs> but, you know, when, when Dragon Gate regularly busts up their units and, and forms new ones, it's like, you know, I, I really think New Japan needs to do that. I really think there needs to be some shakeups here. You know? Definitely. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, it, it gets... Or especially when, when one of them is basically teaming with the Hauntai anyway. Like, what what's the mm-hmm. point of, their, of you being a unit then? You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. At this point. But, I mean... It, but, I mean, if you look at some of the, the, the roster that was... That was around when we started this, and they're no longer here. I mean, I don't mean they're dead, but <laughs> you know what I mean. They're no longer in New Japan. Like, remember Yoshi Yoshi Tatsu? Yeah, mm-hmm. remember him? Yeah, I mean, he and you know what? Fair play to him. He he he's redeemed himself a lot in all Japan. Yeah, he's been just quietly minding his own business and doing work there, uh, yeah. having. Even part of that highlight tag match between uh, himself and Hiroshi Tanahashi against uh, Daisuke Sekimoto and Kento Miyahara a little bit back at it. The, oh, the giant Baba the, show, yeah. Yeah, exactly the Baba show. Yeah, so, God, that was that was uh, well, that was nineteen, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that was a that was a fun match too. That was a fun show. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, like, who else? I mean, uh, you know, Captain New Japan, you know, Mitsuhiri Hirasawa, gone without a trace. We never really knew why. We think we know why, but we don't really know why. Yeah. I mean, did, what did you hear? I didn't hear much on it at all. Just figured if he's gone, he's gone. Hey. I, I, I heard a story. I, the, the going story was that it, it was something about uh, he had a gambling problem. Well, Pachinko machines are prevalent in Japan, so it's not as surprising to me as I think it would be. Yeah, uh, I think what somebody we we definitely miss, of course, Katsuyori Shibata. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's definitely um, he's transitioned into a role at this point as the head trainer of the LA Dojo at this point, and you know, doing his role there. But it's very astounding in a way that. For as great of a match as his last one was against Kazuchika Okada, he unfortunately literally went on his, you know, on his shield at that point. Just had to be carried oh, away. Fell, fell on a sword, you mean? Yeah, fell on a sword. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I, I still have never rewatched that match. I don't think I ever can bring myself to do so. Honestly, mm-hmm. I really can't. Um, no. It's just you I don't know, blame you. You know, when you just look at it and you think, God, what, how different could this company be right now? With Shibata being one of the top four guys in it, yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, you just think, what if? We think, what if too, with regard to like, you know, um, you know, our our large son. Yeah. Yeah, Katsuyuki Which, Kitamura, My God, he he could have yeah. been a star. He could have mm-hmm. been an absolute star. And then, you know, the stuff with the broken leg and other things that have happened. And then he apparently tried going into, like, some shoot-fighting boxing thing recently. He got knocked out by a guy that's, like, five inches smaller than him. I thought he was supposed to be, like, doing bodybuilding or something. He, you know, he, he's been doing that still. But apparently he just, uh, somebody on my Twitter feed a couple weeks ago popped uh, this kind of quick video of him actually being some sort of, like, shoot martial arts thing where he got knocked out cold holy you know? shit yeah i'll okay. have to find it for <laughs> yeah, you yeah, yeah you, you need to yeah. show me this because i missed this one but i mean who else was there uh tetsuhiro yagi remember him yeah mm-hmm. um yeah that was uh something that we should have uh that was something that should have uh been something too but i mean he ended up retiring yeah but um you know, he ended up retiring, but, you know, for whatever reasons. I thought he was rather good, too. And then, mm-hmm. uh, who else? Oh, uh, Teraki Kanemitsu. Remember him? Yeah. A couple of names there that were in the system for a little while, but then just either personal circumstances or injuries, just yeah. unfortunately, like, I, not making things pan out for them. Yeah, I thought, I thought Kanemitsu... I, I honestly thought Kane Mitsu was going to be the one that succeeded between him and Kawada, and I thought Kawada was going to be the one to wash out. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then just yeah, well, things happen, and yeah, things happen. So and Kawada, I mean, the Kawada's credit, he stepped up. Yeah, immensely. Yeah, just... and, and also, I don't think he was as bad in Mexico as everybody makes him out to have been. No, he, I mean, it was it was a learning, we met, talked about this even back at the time of his initial return when people were breaking down his excursion that not everybody has the, uh, just the Hiromu Takahashi experience in, in fact, hardly, In fact, hardly anybody has yeah. the Hiromu Takahashi more often than not, More often than not, those suck. You're just going out there to learn as much as you can and then bring it into the company when the time when yeah. they call your number, basically. Yeah, like Hiromu was the exception, uh like on a level not seen since Keiji Mudo became mm-hmm. great, became great Muda in the NWA. You know? Yeah. So just one of those circumstances, man, where we'll be on the lookout for, you know, how Kawato as Master Wato now how he pans out over these next five years because I think that's going to be an interesting story there especially as yeah. he finds himself more and more on his own with the current gimmick itself uh, but yeah it's I'm really interested in terms of what's going to happen with some of the guys that are currently there at the moment you know Yoritsuji obviously Yuya Urmura as well uh, guys that are currently there on the systems to when their excursions might come because with a pandemic world still for at least 
you know, let's just say the rest of 2021, we're still recovering from that. It's still going to be a year that they're going to be in that dojo system. Do we see them maybe take the Hinare route at one point where they just kind of graduate and integrate themselves into that lower uh, opening spot on the card uh, while, you know, starting to develop personalities of their own? Or do they hold them over for another year before then trying to send them out on excursion? So there's questions with that. There's questions with uh, when are we going to see uh, Red Narita and Shoto Mino especially kind of re-interact back within the wrestling world, whether that's doing excursion-related work or even coming back earlier than most people would think, too. So uh, I, I, I miss Shooter. I really do. Yeah, I do, too. Shota is... He's there. Yeah, especially he on the it's disgusting too because Moxley won't be there for him either. Yeah. You know? I thought that was one of the best storylines that ever came up in, in New Japan. <laughs> you know? it's, just so, it's, it's just so organic the way that it came together too and then it just, it worked. It worked so incredibly well. <laughs> and, and it shouldn't have, but it did, you know? Yeah. <laughs> And, and I know we credit Moxley with a lot of that, and he carried the bulk of that with his promo work and backstage comments, absolutely, but Shota's willingness to play along with this weird <laughs> foreigner that beat the shit out of him and then carried him to the back afterward should not be understated in any way, shape, or form. Hey, you can drive, right? <laughs> yeah, he can drive. <laughs> I think... Real panty, real panty dropper there. <laughs> yeah, one of the biggest things that we can say about the five years that we've been looking at New Japan and attempting to make sense of it as best as we can in our small corner of the internet is that we've gotten to see a lot of these characters grow and come into their own and just... Um, Boy, like, remember the excitement of just outright when Hiromu came back from Excursion and just the buzz that was around that and Oh, yeah. How he over-delivered on that, as a matter of fact. And he, continue, just, and he continues to. I mean, even uh-huh. even after a hellified neck injury, the kind that he had. Yeah, I the mean, kind of neck injury that nine times out of ten would have, you know, put somebody in a wheelchair. Plain and simple. yeah. And he's still, you know, like just a, a lot of things. Somebody, we we could do a whole show on Hiromu alone. Yeah, like <laughs> just you know, everything from like the lip balm, the the lip balm to um, crawling out, crying on his knees because he didn't want to wrestle Kushida again. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> the um, ob- obviously the uh flashbacks to what Toru Yano did to him at one point, all coming back to haunt him in the year of 2020. <laughs> all right, you know, hold that thought because that's going to come up here. Yeah, again, no, we're, we're, just rem- we're reminiscing at this point. And there's yeah, obviously... I mean, we are reminiscing, and we, we good, should be reminiscing. I mean... Yeah, there's, there's good things that you can talk about, obviously, like Shinsuke Nakamura's farewell was a very well-done, respectful one for him at this point, and, and I was, was happy with And that was just did. a wild thing to happen real early in our our podcasting Time career covering. Mm-hmm. was was Nakamura and AJ and and Guns and Gallows all leaving, and we thought for sure we were like, "Oh my god, this is yeah." We is thought New at J- the very least is New Japan screwed. transition. 
yeah, we thought that there would be a transition period at best for them to sort of regather themselves, but then they just pedaled to the metal on it and figured things out. It's they, just... they figured it out, and Tetsuya Naido became one of the biggest superstars on planet Earth. Yeah. In, in pro uh, wrestling, who, who saw time, that coming? Yeah, the timing with our coverage catching really the heyday of Los Ingobernables de Japón coming into their own and becoming this really money-making machine for New Japan at this point that they are at yeah. current. So seeing that, um, honestly, and I mean, even with all the hell and flack that we give them, well, Osprey's rise within the company as a foreigner, it should be detailed because that's a type of level there that it's been a slow burn for him doing gradually bigger things with each and every Wrestle Kingdom since he got introduced into the company there. Um, Obviously, Kenny Omega is another subject that should be noted for his rise during the time in which we covered the show to the eventual sort of downfall that led into him and three other guys up and leaving to form their own company in North America. That's another big thing too that we yeah, covered. Well, yeah, we yeah that really was a big thing. It, it was a huge part of it. And uh, let's face it, the way that this the company bent over backwards for him too. It, yeah, it was, a, was a big thing about that. Let, let's you know what we we talk about the rise. Let's see like some of the falls of folk like Hiroki Goto. Yeah. Goto just gradually becoming, you know, your multi-match, you know, tag guy for the most part who can still have a good singles match here and there, but not the guy that a lot of people in the mid-2000s thought he was going to be. Yeah, and Minoru Suzuki keeps sliding down. We we have the rumors again that he's leaving. Mm -hmm. Just very much the freelancer contract up on January 5th, so... We'll see what happens there, because he surprised everybody and their mother last year around when we thought he was oh, we 100% thought... out of the door. Oh, yeah. We, we were so sure he was going to be showing up at Noah the next day, and instead he shows up and challenges Moxley in one of the my favorite feuds of the year. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I wish, and I, and I was, am very upset that it didn't go much further than that because, well, you know, the world... Pandemic. The, the world caught on fire. Um, yeah. I think if we have the detail, not so much a fall attributed to the person themselves, but just the drop of the ball on Kushida as a whole is... That is... A, that's going to be a sore... That is definitely a sore point. Is yeah, how it Kushida, still is a sore point. Yeah, I, I, they really did. I don't think they did right by him at all. And I think that the way that everyone else can just effortlessly become, you know wrestle heavyweight guys and then Kushida got pigeonholed. I, yeah. I think that's something that they that they made a very very big mistake with because Kushida was very over with the crowd. And mm-hmm. I think the crowd would have loved to have seen Kushida wrestle some heavyweights occasionally. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. And the other big thing too that to its credit what NXT has been proving is that Kushida can go against guys of just about any size or weight and make a good, ma- good match out of it. The kind of stuff that we would have wanted to see in New Japan. You know, I honestly think I honestly think that the best feud Kushida could have had would, would have been against Minoru Suzuki. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that would have been a really good feud. Mm-hmm. And yep. they never did. 
And I, I think that, that that's something that they uh that that's to to uh to the booker's uh to the booker's detriment. That, and, very much so, yeah. And um, you know, there were you know you know, remember but I mean also remember, you know, scrubs like I don't know, Cody Hall. Remember him? <laughs> yeah. Um it should be mentioned because he was associated with our show considerably at one point, but Michael Elgin practically landing one of the kind of gigs that foreigners who want to come to Japan like would salivate at and just shooting himself in the foot quite literally with some of his stunts over the years and yeah, kind of causing him to become basically a persona non grata for the most part nowadays. Yeah. Well, I mean, and you know what? He has nobody but himself to blame. No, absolutely. Yeah, that's because again, we, we, we know how the case ended up and we know that, the, the initial accuser recanted their story, but Elgin proved himself to be a scumbag on many other in many other ways. Yeah, between that and behavior to where even shows of New Japan within the United States wouldn't go anywhere near the guy just showed how much his stock fell with them. Which yeah, and that's a thing too. You know, we we need to talk about the push of New Japan in the USA, and yes, obviously Elgin being excluded from that after a certain point. New Japan knew what was going on; they knew, and they knew how toxic he was. That's why they wouldn't book yeah. him. Mm-hmm. But you know, the the New Japan's push into the USA—that's like, like I think only DDT ever really tried that too but that was and that was only for one or two shows over a wrestlemania weekend yeah it's something that they knew that they could do and draw a nice bit of business out of and i think they did well enough to where they were bringing initially tokyo joshi pro in this year's uh wrestlemania weekend before everything got canceled due to the pandemic due to the pandemic so i do think that English content is something that they'll do more of, especially since I think Tokyo Joshi Pro announced their January 4th show is having English commentary as part of it for the first time. Right. Well, so Dragon, that's, Dragon Gate now has. I mean, we, yes. we were all, we were all said that. It's been integrating. Yeah, we, yep. we, we were all said that Jay ended iHeartDG, and then lo and behold. He's in a part of Dragon Gate itself, which is good for Jay. Yeah, to be well, yeah. Get, get, Bring that into it. Get the money, son. Get, get, get money. It. Yeah, get, get, get. <sighs> Get 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 out there, yeah, you, yeah. This is like a life's work to be actually working for the company, mm-hmm, which is something sure. I wouldn't want to do, honestly. And I mean, for you know, New Japan or AEW, I wouldn't want to actually work with them because I like the freedom to to call bullshit, you know. Uh huh. Yeah, for sure. But you know, the fact is that New Japan was really the first to try to do the English commentary and to reach out to the world with like official paper, you know, eye pay-per-views or worldwide broadcast. I mean, Wrestle Kingdom nine was on, had an English pay-per-view. There's like three or four Wrestle Kingdoms that have two different English commentary tracks. Yeah. Between the pay-per-views and, um, NJPW world. And and access, and access TV, you know that's something else that changed over the over the years. You know they, you know, when we started, New Japan was on Access TV, which yes. undeniably mm-hmm. broke them, helped break them into the into the U.S. Western and, market. Yep. And now they're no longer on Access, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Axis and Mark Cuban in general being sort of key contributors to what eventually became, you know, the G1 special shows that we had through two nights uh, in Long Beach, California, which is where we met for the first time, like in, in person. Us us. All of us did. Yeah, yeah, just our co-hosts and where honestly we made a lot of friendships that uh, through the course of wrestling Twitter, if you will, stand to this day with the people that we met from those shows. I, that, you know, if nothing else ever comes from us doing this show, those two nights in Long Beach will be will be the high point of those ever. Yeah, you know, just that that weekend in general, the nights that we had with that rooming and stuff like that were everything, just highlights as a whole. Yeah, everything from Lawrence freaking out about the cockroach about about the roaches in the hotel in Inglewood to yep. playing. Virtual Pro Wrestling 2. Um, you know, me the, being, uh, the, the holy sacred taco truck at the front of the, the convention. Taco, the motherfucking now. taco truck. Oh my god, that taco <laughs> truck was the best. Uh, me being on the phone with tech support, trying to get our internet, the internet connection back up. <laughs> Yeah, be, immediately be, be, after coming back from a show too, which yeah, was be, the worst part. It's yeah, like... well, 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 all the rest of you guys were were all bullshit. I'm trying to you know fix the internet for everybody. Yep. And then and then you and I go out and you know we we went out drinking and uh, met met some more folk that we yep, still talk yep. to. A couple of exciting people, while a couple of our other friends that we met eventually at certain uh, junctures as well too we're having their own stories with a certain kazuchika okada at a rock bottom restaurant yep. which is just oh, something yeah. in and of itself um you I, know and you know Lawrence lawrence and i go into that aquarium too before night two that was uh mm-hmm. that's something that, yeah. that was an unforgettable oh I, you know getting to put my feet into the pacific ocean for the very first time yeah at the tender age of 44 you know, getting to, to actually go into the Pacific Ocean, which I'd never done before, you know? Yeah, there's a lot of highlights there. And just to transition that back into the New Japan side of defense, they transitioned those two shows into a couple of fairly successful shows in the U.S. outright, uh, which included uh, a G1 show, a legitimate G1 climax show being done in Dallas, Texas, to... It wasn't a sold-out crowd, but everybody that showed up in that crowd showed up basically well, to make the was, same amount of noise that fifteen thousand would make in a regular. That crowd night. was was one of the hottest American New Japan crowds I've ever heard. That I mean, and, that was like Dallas Sportatorium hot crowd, you know. And I was very happy for the guys that got to experience that and. That it left such a good impression. Ideally, it left a good enough impression on them to try something like this down the line when the world is in a better place and if the well, there's a there's right. a Madison Square Garden show that got postponed because of this. Indeed, they still think that they're going to run it next year. I it, good luck to you because I don't think you will. And once again, it just one of those things where not in a million years did we ever think New Japan and Madison Square Garden would be a thing that happened, but it did. We were yeah, there. We were there. And the New Japan side side of that card was fantastic. The other side, eh, not so much. Yeah, we, yeah. Well, I mean, that's something else that we've seen 
over time is the, the, the relationship between New Japan and Ring of Honor deteriorating. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of it because Ring of Honor was, you know, booked like shit. <laughs> you know, and that, yeah. I mean, that after that show, the, the relationship just went on a slide where to the point where New Japan were starting to book ROH venues on their own. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. It very much became a situation where they decided to directly get their cut of the venues and booking these arenas rather than having to go through, you know, a mediator in this case in Ring of Honor. And I think a lot of that does fall too on Ring of Honor's own booking and strategies at the time being based around four or five guys all who eventually left the company the first chance that they got. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, and one of those shows, even though it started so late that the, the, that a guy from new Japan had to come out and, apologize like to, <laughs> to the point where people were worried about the guy's psychological state at the time um that show also ended up having uh one of my unironic favorite matches of the year on that show the one in new york where it had it was like a los ingobernables team i think it was naido sonata and bushi against hiroshi tanahashi and the goddamn rock and roll express yeah like, so good like r- yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Rock and Roll Express in a in an unironically good match in New Japan in twenty in these times. Who the hell saw that one coming? Very true. Just again, it's a lot of ups, a good amount of downs throughout the past five years of discovering this company as a whole, but. To me specifically, I'm very much more interested in seeing uh, what are we looking at in a post, you know, in a 2021 leading into ideally a post-pandemic era where crowds come back and you try to restore some sense of normal normalcy. It's never going to be the exact same as it was before. Uh, just try to get back to... I guess whatever you would call a normal at that point more than anything. So I'm just very curious to see how crowds are going to be reacting once you're able to come back in, you know, full arenas, able to make noise and just some of the things that'll come out of it as well. Because uh, again, the Olympics got delayed by about a year. Uh, so unless something drastic again changes here, they're still on schedule for, you know, summer of 2021. So it just makes you wonder too what direction New Japan's gonna be taking for this upcoming year as well, with that in mind. What what will it take for you? I I don't see myself going to wrestling live even in twenty twenty one at this point. I mean, what, what would it take for you to do so? Honestly, I do think that if there is a vaccine that's made available to the public once they've Tested, not only tested it out, but obviously gotten it to the folks who need it most, our frontline workers, uh, people in healthcare, you know, the people who actually have to deal with the public on a daily basis when it comes to this disease. Just if that gets done and then that gets distributed to the public, probably around, I'd say, like middle of the late summer of next year, I think, is where we'll be at with like a general public availability for it. After that point, after getting the necessary shots for it to prevent it. 
I think at that point I'll feel a little more secure with it. But the odds are good that I probably won't be at a show until Pro Wrestling Guerrilla can probably run something like at 100%, which from the looks of it is not going to happen until this entire thing like clears out. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I don't even see myself coming, even if New Japan, by the grace of God, is able to run Madison Square Garden next year. I do not see myself going to. No, and that's know. and that's fair. I completely understand people deciding, hey, let's just skip 2021, make sure that everything is in order, and then 2022, we'll tackle this accordingly yeah. with and, however and, the world looks like. Right, and, and one thing we, we can say is that this this show, this podcast, has survived a fascist regime somehow. You know? Jesus, yeah, you that much you are correct on. That's another bit of, you know, quote-unquote normal that we're not going to get back. We're basically in a post-era of survive taking one step towards ending that sort of thing and then having like god knows how many steps to prevent it from ever happening again yeah, ideally right exactly i mean and who knows you know how how important is pro wrestling even going to be to us in in that if we we had to keep that fight constant but you know what at the same time you know psychologically we need things to you know comfort ourselves too you know and you know at, at some point you know pro wrestling was that i don't know post speaking out if it can ever truly be that again to the same extent it's like i think it can but it's going to take a lot of actual work being done to just out every single one of these abusers and making sure that not not only are they outed not only are they made to you know not be around the space ever again but taking the steps to prevent situations like that from happening again. And unfortunately, with wrestling being really a very niche, very carny by nature, it's still going to be a while, unfortunately. It I, it almost feels to me like it's going to get worse before it gets better, which sucks to even think of something like that. But yeah. I don't know, man. After this year, it's... You, you approach things with a level of skepticism first and then ask questions, like, immediately. Yeah. It, it basically, you know, th there's been a lot of seismic changes that have happened both within New Japan Pro Wrestling and the greater world at large since we started this show. And I think our, our I, I, I would think that our show has reflected those changes. I yeah. like to say we have, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, at the same time, uh, I mean, are we going to go another five years? Um, I don't know. Who knows? We're just taking I, this literally a show at the time I, at this I, point. It, really, it, it, you know, there, it, would, it would pop me to actually reach 100 official episodes of this show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we, we, we're ever going to do it. Maybe we but will, think, maybe it, we won't, but. I think it's a point that we can try to strive for at this point and if we get there great if we don't then hey we still have lord knows how many episodes up until that point and other content that we did do for those years and i can at least for sure say that after five years of doing this that i don't feel that we've really wasted a single moment it's not like it's going to be a situation where 20 years from now we look back at this and go wow this was a waste of time for five years like it's the complete opposite of that for me yeah um, 
so I would like to briefly divert to you know our our what we usually think you know what we usually say were our wrestler and match of the year in New Japan for for 2020. I'm going to go. I, I want to hear your choices first. Mm. It is interesting. Uh, to me, I'm going to honestly say just on the basis of everything that he did throughout this year in many capacities compared to years beforehand, uh, I'm going to give the nod to Hiromu Takahashi on this one. Ooh. Now, there's close competition there. Shingo Takagi is definitely up on that list. Tetsuya Naito to me is up on that list as well, too, with the way he carried himself throughout the course of the year. But I do think that for Hiromu, this was a highlight year in terms of not only having great matches on the junior division end of the spectrum, but stepping it up considerably in the New Japan Cup with a very entertaining run and kind of accomplishing a dream of his own with wrestling on primetime TV in Japan against Kazuchika Okada in the main event for that semifinals uh, during the New Japan Cup as well, too. So he's hit a couple of big strides. He's one of the best wrestlers on the planet right now. So Hiromu gets my vote on that one. As for the match itself, I'm splitting between two different matches here. Uh, One of them for the historical context, which is the obvious uh, Tetsuya Naito versus Kazuchika Okada for the double gold on January 5th at Wrestle Kingdom. But then also uh, Tetsuya Naito versus Hiroshi Tanahashi at the G1 this year banged outright so to me it's but it's a tie between those two matches okay um my wrestler of the year probably will not surprise you because i pretty much said this the last couple of episodes but i still have to go with shingo because that's a good choice i because for me shingo just constantly delivered i mean he got like a two-star match out of yujiro freaking takahashi yeah, you know, that that in itself is an accomplishment. <laughs> no know? easy feat by any means. I mean, yeah. So uh, for me, consistently, Shingo has has delivered time and time again in in every match. My f- my match of the year. Uh it's gonna be from the restart, the the New Japan Cup, and it's gonna be Hiromu Takahashi versus Toriano. <laughs> The most hilarious finish to a match I have ever seen in my life. Because I, I have never seen a finish where the finish came because you won by count out because you shoved your opponent into a, an, a, a, an elevator and sent it downward. <laughs> no, and then, it, no, it is not technical classic wrestling, but God damn it, I love that match. It was entertaining and you had the buildup of years of where at one point Toriano, when he was still just now an asshole, not the lovable uh, genius thief that he is now. That's the mascot of our show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He, you know, shaved Kirobu Takahashi's head and just embarrassed him completely. And the threats of, yeah, I'm going to do it again now. Uh, just uh, in the buildup to this match, as well as the match itself, just made for, High-key comedy on so many levels. Yeah, and poor I, Hiromu having PT... Hiromu also selling this like he had the biggest bout of PTSD ever just was... Just the cherry on top of everything that came with it. Because Hiromu could have chosen to just take this like... 
his usual serious, goofy type of way and gotten, you know, a decent comedy match out of it. But he went full in on the PTSD experiences and just it made for just so, so much. So I completely understand your choice on that. Yeah, I, yeah. So th- th- that is my my match of the year, and yeah, Shingo. Yeah, he has to be my my wrestler of the year because it's just, uh, yeah that that was uh, that was something else. So, um, okay. So, what are some of your wish? Li- what what's some of your wish list for twenty twenty one? I think for 2021, ideally, I just want to see it, the roster coming out of this healthy, no COVID cases in any way, shape, or form. I think that's the best that we can realistically ask for at this point. Now, as for the booking and things of, of such, seeing El Desperado get a run with the Never Open Weight Championship would be a fun thing to see done in 2021 at some juncture. Uh, I think that'd be really nice. Uh, Double gold either being separated or officially unified. And then just if there's a unification, just trying to emphasize the never open weight as being carrying a little more weight or the U.S. title being used a little more often as a secondary belt would be nice as well. I just figure with double gold either just separated at some point in 2021 or just call it a full unification of things and yeah i go I, with it from there. I, I agree i think they, they really need to pull the trigger on whether or not this is actually a unified title like the triple crown or something yeah. like that because and if it is unified that's fine there's no issue with going that route at all it's just an official announcement would be nice at this point yeah i mean it, it, it seems like they, they are missing i mean they're, they're taking away a title by this you know, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, you know, a, a mid card title at that. So. Yeah, a, t- a title that guys like Sonata and Evil could use. To be honest, like they could be fighting for that right now in the world where these titles were separated, type of thing. Yeah. So that's a, that's something heavy to consider there down the line for 2021. And I think both of us have the similar wish where just some more shakeups on units, whether that's breakups into new units altogether or just something different to add on to what the empire kind of started doing at the end of this year there just to kind of make the scene a little bit more different than just the same yeah i think stables we've seen for the past five years yeah i think we, we, we are well past the point where we need to start shaking up some some of these units. we are well past the point i mean we god we were talking early in our career about Chaos versus Bullet Club, you know, finally breaking up, you know? And, I mean, they, they they had a chance to do it when Chaos and the Huntai started working together again. It's like, okay, maybe we're finally going to, you know, you know, with, uh, you know, the most violent players reuniting, you know, was was the biggest yeah. one. Mm-hmm. And then that ended up being, I mean, the only thing that really ended up being was, you know, a, uh, you know, the, the, the comedy titles, you know? <laughs> true, true. Um... But yeah, I, I really, I, I, you and I had a had kind of a fantasy booking situation, which I don't think we're going to get into here. But yeah. I, I think a lot of this, a lot of this hinges on whether or not Suzuki actually does leave. Mm-hmm. 
Because if Suzuki actually leaves, then yeah, they're gonna have to do something with Suzuki Gun. Yeah, and I and, mean, and, and, made... unless unless we forget, Suzuki Gun was originally Kojima Gun. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's just a variation of that initial stable. So it's very much a situation where we've been joking for a little while about Taichi Gun finally happening, but if Suzuki leaves, that's a thing that should go down in 2021 um, in some capacity, at least. So, yeah, so it, 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 yeah, assuming he leaves. If he doesn't, then, okay, cool. Hey, guess what? We, yeah. get, more, we get more Minoru Suzuki yeah. you know, on NGPW World, but yeah, with that in mind, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I really would like to see some other shakeups, like, you know, Ibushi, of all people, should be mm-hmm. coming up with his own unit at this point, you know? Especially if the double that, gold situation happens where he does win and he ascends to the level of being God. Yeah, give the give the give the world's most favorite himbo his own unit to head a handsome unit at that yes must must Mm -hmm. be a handsome unit we we have we have some ideas on the matter whether we discuss them now or save them for an article that's up to you jeff uh let's save them for an article i mean sure yeah fantasy booking on on a podcast (laughs) might be kind of boring you know (laughs) and we might and we might be here a while on top of it too so no i see your point so yeah but i mean yeah i I really would like to see some shake up of the use especially again you could tell that the that you know me me getting back into dragon gate a little bit uh in 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 that in that post shingo time where where i was kind (laughs) of losing interest when shingo left and uh you get by the way, can you tell maybe I like Shingo Takagi a little bit? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's fair. That that's a fair assessment. And here's what I'll say here's what I'll say too. If ROA just cleaning house on their own spectrum of things, especially after certain allegations with certain individuals were made, like if you want to restore that relationship in a post-pandemic world where you can bring some of those guys to do tours like it'd be great to see brody king get a little more time in japan as well there's a lot of talented guys there on that ring of honor roster that could be used as good guest you know uh, wrestlers to have every now and then in between tours if they can figure out the schematics with that and not actively like try to cut one another apart in the process it'd be nice to see some of these relationships be reaffirmed again obviously um fantastic mania is probably not going to be happening for the second year in the row in 2021 which sucks but well i mean it did happen last year but yeah but yeah. it makes you wonder because of the border situation currently if it's going to be something that well, comes it's to already, fruition i mean it's already not it's already not scheduled i mean they, they put the new beginning tour there which is something we hadn't really touched on um which which sucks because now we won't have Cubs. Yeah, guessing, mm-hmm. us, guessing with us again, at least until they do this again. Which I mean, it, it's a damn shame because I mean Cubs has been kind of one of our most frequent, it, it, well, it, our most frequent guest. Yeah, at this point, just because with the year with the yearly circumstances, and then he's also come in for one or two other episodes outside of Fantastic Mania as well. So yeah, he he came in and joined us when uh, when Russian Dragon Lee got fired. CMLL, mm-hmm. yes, of how, and that's a thing that I think 2020 took from us too was Dragon Lee. Yeah, mm-hmm. very much so. 
because you know he was he signed a one year deal with New Japan. I don't know how long it's going to hold for. But I mean, it basically, yeah. it, we basically got two matches out of it, and that was it. And then all hell broke loose. So, mm-hmm. but I do think again, at the very least, if they can figure out the schematics going forward for their relationships with CMLL uh, again, outside of Fantastic Mania, as well as for the Ring of Honor side of defense, there's some room to do some really cool things here and there. And I mean, Tony Khan, keeps, Tony Khan keeps claiming he wants to do business with New Japan. And so does, I just Chris, so does Chris yeah. Jericho and John Moxley. True. There's a couple of people within the AEW camp who want it. Some who, just as hearsay, may not be as keen on it, given circumstances. But that's a wait-and-see approach. I'm not holding my breath for AEW, specifically after sort of everything with trying the Moxley situation with him holding a new Japan title then not being able to actually properly, you know, defend it in new Japan in some capacity. Right. So it, yeah. it's just very telling there, unfortunately. Yeah. So. No, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. So, all right. Well, we, we've already been talking for what, two and a half hours now. <laughs> Something crazy. like that. I've lost track of time at this point, um, Jeff. So, we we threw it out there for um, for folk to get with us. Um, I- I- any messages for us uh, for our fifth anniversary? Our first one from uh, from uh, David Lebowitz, uh, David Lebo. Um, he goes by. Um, he just says, "Hey, good job, guys. Keep it up." So. Thanks, David. We appreciate that. Yep, definitely. We'll try our best. <laughs> uh, Cubs fan actually gave us a, some well wishes, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, we definitely appreciate it. Can't wait to have Cubs back on yeah, the show at some point or another. Yeah, yeah, we definitely do. Uh, here's one of my favorite ones uh, that we got. Uh, it was from uh, from Lucas at Tokugawa Heavy on on Twitter. He, he, read, mm-hmm. he writes... I don't know if this is worthy of reading on the show, but listening to you guys for the first time years ago helped me learn about Japanese wrestling more than any other source. Beyond being knowledgeable, you're also kind and interesting people to, dedicated to the to share the uh, the scene with. And overall, thanks for the years of sh- sharing yourselves with other people who love the silly hobby. So, yeah, uh, I I don't think we ever really put ourselves out there as experts. Not by any means. Opinionated, yes. Experts, God no. Maybe not. You <laughs> know. I mean, I was around during. You know, I, I I've been you know around for a while. You know, <laughs> since the mid nineties, mm-hmm. following this. You know, following you know Japanese wrestling. But uh, no, it, it's nice to know that somebody uh, did uh, that, that. That somebody did listen to us and and, and thinks that way. So I, I'm 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 really touched by that. So thanks a lot. Yeah. No. Yeah. Definitely appreciate it, Lucas. And. It's good in the perspective that when it comes to fandoms in general, we know how hard it is when it comes to fandoms because with fandoms comes gatekeeping. And my God, the amount of gatekeepers in just about any community that you can enter, they exist. And sometimes they will come at you like full force and that sucks. So to try and be something that isn't, doing any of that but just 
getting our own opinions out there in our own little corner of the internet. If somebody can get something out of that, like a sense of enjoyment and a situation where they go, Hey, maybe I'll check this thing out and see how I like it. And then go from there. I think we did the bare minimum at that point, And that's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, that's all we ever want to do. I mean, we were just two schmoes excited about wrestle kingdom 10 and, and, and the story wanted to talk about it somewhere. and wanted to talk about it. And, and here we are. Um, you know, that being said, I mean, I do write, you know, it, it's been long established that I'm pretty much the guy doing the blog. Yes, very much so. That's and, 100% the case. Yeah, and, you know, it's fine. I like doing the blog. It, it, it's fine. Um, it was especially fine when we had that three-month break during the pandemic. Uh, there you go. <laughs> but, got, to, got to reset and refresh for a little bit, Jeff. Yeah, but, you know, it, it's, you know, yeah, I mean, I don't have the, I mean, we, we, we're not, one of the most beloved podcasts out there. We, we don't have a high, you know, as high a listenership as some may have, um, you know, the blog isn't, you know, it's not constantly doing numbers, but you know, we, we do what we can. And, you know, I, I, I speak my piece and, you know, that's how it is. I, we, we try to educate, we, we do try to educate somewhat, you know, but yeah, I think the most positive thing that we can say, it's the way we've looked at it for the past five years is that we never looked at this as some sort of, job or a popularity contest we just looked at it as kind of a hobby and an outlet to get our own thoughts out of the vo- out of the voids that are our respective heads and into some semblance shape and form so yeah and well, it's worked out for us so far yeah i think it has it really has i mean we, we've all had to take breaks occasionally i mean i think i've only i only missed one episode because i was moving. yeah that was just due to you moving yeah yeah um, but you know, again, it also led us to do, you know, other podcasts, you know, both wrestling and not wrestling. I mean, again, you doing sounds on the six, me doing busting balls, you know, and not we wouldn't, sure. and we, again, we wouldn't have done that had we not done this, you know? Yeah. So, and it turns out I like recording. I like, I mean, I, I, I originally studied radio when I, you know, I wanted to study radio when I went to college. Because you I was, yeah, because I was, you know, influenced by, you know, a couple of talk radio guys from here in Chicago named Steve Dahl and Gary Meyer. That was mm-hmm. a, a huge fan of. I mean, that's what I wanted to do. And now, you know, I'm, I'm kind of doing it, you know, not as often as I'd like and not for money, but, you know, that's how it goes. Uh, yeah. Last two comments we have. They're both from guys that we know. Uh, Lee Malone from Days of Thunder. Um, he writes, congrats on five years, guys. We had you guys on Days of Thunder, so when are you, are we getting our invite onto the Strong Style Story? Seriously, the post-wrestle came to 15 show. It's simple as that. Yeah, yeah, um, since, yeah, Cubs, it won't be around. Maybe we'll invite Cubs, too, just because it's been tradition. It's maybe a round we'll, table. Maybe we'll just we invite go. Cubs, yeah. Um, but yeah, stay tuned for next episode when we do our post-wrestle kingdom, and, uh, we will have, uh... Dave Ryan and Stagger Lee Malone on this program. Although, Lee, uh, you are remiss in noting that uh, Dave Ryan was a co-host on this show, filling in for Chris one time. Yeah, this is true, but we'll get them both in together yeah. this next time, which if, if we can figure the full out, experience. Yeah, if we can figure out the time difference between you know here and Dublin, <laughs> you know, if we can get that sorted out, we'll be all good. And then lastly, uh, Dave Ryan... Uh, from the Days of Thunder account, I'm assuming. Um, uh, congrats on f- 
five years, guys. A mighty achievement to be sure, and always privileged to be alongside you in people's RSS feeds. In the spirit of our ongoing gimmicks, what are your favorite large man appears moments in Japanese wrestling? I know what I my mean, answer is. I know what my answer is. I just have to think immediately. It's Vader appearing and beating the shit out of Antonio Inoki in five minutes. Oh yeah, that, well yeah, it's gotta be Vader because not only as you said him appearing and beating the shit out of Inoki in five minutes, but how about when Vader just showed up in all Japan to team with Stan Hansen? Yeah, and ended that's... up becoming a two-time Triple Crown winning guy. Yeah, you know? for sure. It's just. And, I mean, it's one of those circumstances where oh, yeah, large Vader. man appears in Japanese wrestling. Yeah, Vader would be def- a definite one for sure. There, the aforementioned Inoki situation, there is one that gets recited fairly often. Although, I will say, if we're talking about large men in Japanese wrestling appearing within the North American scene, uh, we have to give proper kudos to the Takeshi Morishima run in the mid two thousands there in ring of honor, because my oh, God, yeah. Takeshi Morishima was, was great. Like he, arguably he was... a guy that was more over here than arguably in Japan, to be honest, which you know is what? saying, you might, you might be right. Actually, <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm going to throw another curveball one. Um, I liked, uh, Ryota Hama going to big Japan initially when he was teaming with, uh, with uh, Kamitami, when Kamitami was trying to chase uh, Okabayashi in the World Strong title. So we got, go. we got Hama and, and Kamitani beating uh, Strong BJ for the Big Japan tag titles. Yeah. I thought that was a great, for sure. I thought that was a great storyline. And I thought that, you know, Hama being part of that was, uh, was fantastic. Too, mm-hmm. So. I'll say also an honorable mention as well to the Joe Doring doing the stuff that he did in All Japan there for a couple of years before popping up on Impact a little a couple of months ago uh, yeah. as of this year. So yeah, he for himself. There. Like so Kobashi, he him. beat cancer. So yeah, good good on Joe for that for sure. So yeah, um, so thank you to everyone that has listened to this show. Everyone who's guested on the show, bar two. Um, so we'll, we'll, let's give some shouts out to Steve Cash, Lawrence O'Brien, J.B. Rowe, uh, Bunchy Bunches, uh, Dion Wells, uh, Jana, which uh, I don't know if she's still around, actually. <laughs> I don't think uh, she's on Twitter anymore, but I think Dion and them still talk with them. Yeah, they, uh, yeah, SOS still check thing. It out. SOS Wrestling Network on uh, on YouTube somewhere because I know they had a they had a bit of a YouTube issue for a little bit. So mm-hmm. uh, obviously the Cubs fan as well. Um, Brett Bahu FMW came yeah, by one uh, time. Another one, Michael Spears as well, too, at Michael one point Spears. from the in from the infamous Super J Cup episode that uh, <laughs> did more did more for our networking connections than it did for us watching it. Yeah, uh, pretty much. Least. And of course, uh, Cubs fan was, was on that yep, too. Yep, so. uh, indeed. So there was them, uh, John Pingle as well from Tornado Tag Radio. Oh yeah, that's right. He filled times. up for me that one time. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about I, that. I think we still need to get Captain Jack Heartless in on this one officially. We've guessed it for him at certain points at our bar at Armbar Emporium, but yeah, he hasn't been on our show. To, no, he hasn't been on our show yet. But 
Shout out to him nonetheless, because yeah, Yak is one of, legitimately one of my favorite people out of this fandom yeah. altogether. Yeah. So shout out to uh, Paul Sebastian, who yep. uh, stepped yep. in for uh, for Boom Goes the Dynamite, and hey, it really did change the dynamic of the show. But it's fine, you know. It's mm-hmm. it's been great. Great, and I think in general, once again, just thank uh, everyone who's listened to us at any point, be it between the episodes that are no longer around because soundcloud issues i still have them saved somewhere in my hard drive but just haven't really uploaded the earlier ones yet because reasons but for anyone who stuck with us through pwo pwom depending on when you came into the fold and going forward just uh thanks for giving us a whirl because yeah uh, we, know your ta- we know your time is valuable thanks to, to, to chad at place to be mm-hmm. nation chad yep. brad at place to be nation bring us in to begin with yeah, definitely. Before, before so. that split happened. And thanks for letting us stick around one, to Processing Only when they let us stick around after that one episode where we tried, yeah. where we tried to get fired because we, we, were, all, get fired. we, were, we were all in a shitty mood yep. for some reason. So. <laughs> Timing and everything else in between. But no, we're just thankful in general because we know podcasts, they take time to listen. You have to actually take time out of your day to put something on play it, let it run all the way through the course of the show if you listen to it all the way through. So, uh, in general, uh, thanks for five years, and we'll see where it goes from here. Yeah, that's, we'll, we'll, uh, that's we'll, all we can say. Yeah, let's all hope that 2021 is a much better year than 2020 has been. Um, I mean, there's some glimmers of hope, but there's always, you know, a lot of darkness surrounding the, those glimmers. So, uh, you know, just need to, you know, be vigilant and uh, and, and do the best we can. Um, I know we're going to reconvene here after Wrestle Kingdom sometime with uh, with Dave Lee and possibly Cubs fan. I hope he's able to join us. Um, Fingers crossed. And then, um, you know, I'll be, you know, I'm still on Boom Goes a Dynamite Weekly, which I still can't believe I actually committed and have still successfully done a weekly podcast <laughs> despite yeah, all my efforts to true. the contrary. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, we'll still be around Chris as uh, sounds on the sticks out there. I, you know, busting balls is on the PWOM network as well. And, uh, yeah, we're just rambling at this point. So, uh, maybe we should wrap this up and just say happy fifth anniversary to you, brother. Thanks for, uh, Thanks for agreeing to do this to begin with, and thanks for uh, sticking with me these five years. Mm-hmm. Likewise. So, uh, all right. I think we've hit the end of the show. Uh, go ahead and plug yourself. Uh, for me, just Twitter and Instagram. You can find me at Brazilian Fury. That's Brazilian with an S instead of a Z. You can also find my other podcast, Soundtracks on the Sticks. That's on Twitter at Sounds on Sticks. That podcast itself you can find on the Night of the Living Geeks podcasting network, NLTLG.com. Okay. And uh, in the meantime, you can find me at Strong Saw Story without the E in style on Twitter. My personal Twitter at GD Wessel. The blog is at StrongStyleStory.tumblr.com where I, uh, you know, rarely write about what's going on, you know, show results and, uh, and news surrounding. Been a lot of pandemic stuff being discussed lately but uh you know you'll have that given the circumstances um yeah and i think uh that's it there may be a busting balls coming i don't know 
when, maybe. I don't know if we're going to do one this weekend or the next. I don't know. We'll see. Depends on, well, I guess Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, maybe it'll be this week. So, mm-hmm. Chris, once again, thank you so much for being with me all these years, and I hope you have a happy new year, and I hope you enjoy Wrestle Kingdom 15. Likewise to you, Jeff. Uh, happy five years years to whatever more we can squeeze out of this thing. Indeed, indeed. So uh, that's it. That's the fifth anniversary show. Thanks, everybody, for listening all this time, and uh, we'll uh, we'll catch you next time. So until then, take care, stay safe, goodbye.